Hello and welcome to the Mixed Air Rap Podcast. I'm your host, DJ B. Wise. This is a podcast where we talk about hip-hop from boom bap to trap. We're a group of hip-hop enthusiasts from multiple eras trying to bridge the gap in hip-hop. My co-hosts are Kev and DJ Reaper. All right, party people, we back in the building, and we're going in with a stream or no stream of our man, young boy, Never Broke Again, or NBA Young Boy, and his new project, The Last Slimetto. And then we got another treat for you, and we're going to be doing Talking Hip Hop, the 25th anniversary Life or Death by our man, Notorious B.I.G. So we're going to jump into it after we do our uh, social media plugs, and let's get it. You can follow us on Instagram at Pod. Again, that's Pod, And you can follow us on Twitter at MixEraRap. All right, Reaper, tell them where they can find you on social media. As always, Bossman Reapers across all platforms. Instagram, Twitter, MixCloud for DJ Mixes. And WeChat, if you're on that Asia thing, at the 313KID, T-H-E-313-K-I-D. Yeah, man, that's what's up. We're going to jump into it with the first song that we thought was notable from the project, and that was Kamikaze. Pull up and I'm strapped on with a lot of poles. You better have your flag if that's the gang you chose. Let's go. You better hit the gas and get your name alone. This is Techland. Pull up at the right side. Take the window down. Bang out. We gon' bang out. You want a slime. I leave that paint out. Get your name out. Put your name on lines. I said at least they put them bodies straight up in a day. Go look like I'm a cousin. My daughter get your merch. Check out my pants. Check out my shirt. What's up? The pin come with a burst. You stay up in. We come inside. Next time we spin. You scared to take your church And can't no bell to stop no headshot Out the window with the red Got you to spit out Knock out at the theater All right, and that was Kamikaze From our boy NBA Youngboy Off of his new project The Last Slametto And uh, I'm gonna get into a real I don't wanna wanna hold back Say this for the end I wanna go right off the bricks Was the album too long? Reaper? You're a troll. You're going to send that to me first because you know I'm going to say it's too long. Man, like, man, this is one of the rougher records, I'm not going to lie to you, that I've uh, to to finish in recent memory. And it's interesting because so there's 30 tracks and it's interesting because later in the show we're going to talk about Life After Death, um, the Biggie Smalls two-disc record, which is, I believe, 22 or 23 tracks. So we could even do some possible comparing there, which one flows a little bit better. But there's 30 tracks on this, man, and it's it's there's there's no skits. There's no interludes. There's no, you know, on Wu-Tang Forever, there's not a ton of skits and stuff. But even before, it literally says, like, when you go to a Wu Revolution, the first track of this too we go you know he takes risks like oh before we go to side two or side b of this double album let's talk about what's going on here and you know woo in 1997 going into the year 2000 is this and is that and i wish there was just some you know if you want to do an ambitious 30 track project that's fine maybe you just creative juices were flowing that's fine but at the same time, where's the variance? Where's the the breaks? Where's the something? You can't just do 30 tracks in a row without stopping and expect people to listen to it with, with no complaints. <laughs> That's what's up, Reaver. Kev, your thoughts on the length of this project, The Last Slime Meadow? It was... It was 20 songs too many. It, it it was very long. I don't know if he I don't know I don't know if he got a contract situation or what, but it, it was unnecessary. Very, very unnecessary. Um I yeah, very long. I mean you could have broke this up into three albums or something 
release one every week this month. <laughs> It'd have been better <laughs> than releasing these all this at one time. You know what it is? It's a combination of of like Kev was just saying, the issues with the label. So you want to hurry up and get from under them, but also house arrest. So nothing but time on your hands. And but again, even if you do have thirty new ones, doesn't mean you have to release all thirty or release all thirty at once. Like I mean, but young boy is not even like a someone who shoots a lot of videos or does a lot of promo for his albums. So what was he in the rush for? Unless he's trying to get off his label, it's really no rush. Well, it's got to be that. It's got to be the the label thing. Because if you put out right two discs, it counts as two releases in a lot of cases. So that's what I'm guessing. But at the same time, I don't like you said. You could just release it back to back weeks, or you know, wait a week and surprise, we've got more or something like that. I don't know, man. Thirty. At once, and again, thirty at once isn't necessarily the issue. It's just with no variance, it's like because you know, life after death is twenty-two or twenty-three, but there's not twenty-two or twenty-three songs. There might be eighteen songs or something like that, nineteen songs, but thirty flat-out songs. And again, none of them are you know one minute or one one fifteen or something. They're all two and a half, three or more. And it's just a lot of songs to get through. And you know what? The other thing, too, is if this was a a sound that you really enjoyed, maybe it wouldn't be such an issue. Because I'm sure we could talk about that as far as like quality of, of maybe not quality of each song, but overall quality. If this was a sound that you enjoyed or if you were a huge fan or if you were into the production or et cetera, et cetera, maybe you enjoy that it's 30 songs because it's 30 new songs that you could put into rotation or, or what have you. But if this is something that you don't enjoy necessarily production wise or flow wise or et cetera, et cetera, like you said, it's 20, maybe even 25 songs too many. Yeah. I feel you on that. For me again, I'm, I'm with all the, uh, my, my co-host and just say, it's just too damn long, man. Uh, you know, after his last project, I was really starting to try to get where he was coming from and, and, and try to enjoy his art. But halfway through this, man, I I just was like, (laughs) I was, I was like, man, I got to listen to the rest of this and then, and then try to do it one more time. So yeah, this was a tough week for me as far as listening to music. Uh, again, I think the young man is talented. It just don't, you know, this was too much. So with that, we're going to move on to the next song that we thought was notable from the project. And that is Slow Down. Eagles beat to the street. Flowers about to put on a grave. I'm wishing when it's time that my grandbaby do the same. In your eyes, mama, you full of pain. I'm so sorry that I never changed. Baby, mom, I'm tripping. Oh, so now can you forgive me? Smoking my lungs when I'm wishing I need the book that's been written. I'm on a quest that left on money truck. Ooh, now I ain't go to heaven cause I live in hell. Mm. Peter Pan, dope, tan, dope, man. No love, throw it ain't blowing. Cause I have an AC at a J. Looking at you, gonna get your but you buck bro, try to J. That's a new double up truck and that's a stolo for those J. I don't want to love Different groups with different kind of colors on. And they all got guns. I've been waving, but nobody slowed down. Yeah, man, that was what's up. And that was Slow Down off of our man NBA Youngboy's new project, The Last Slimetto. And let's uh, get into it with the features on this project. NBA Youngboy doesn't normally have a bunch of features on his projects, but uh, he did have quite a for him, quite a few. And I guess that's, again, based on the length of the project. So for me, I'm going to jump in first, give my two cents and just say that overall, I thought that I, I actually enjoyed the songs that did have the features. Uh, Kalani, uh, her, her song was very enjoyable. Rod Waves uh, feature was very enjoyable. 
Uh, I'm still on the fence with Quavos, but again, it was still, it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I'll, I'll leave that next to Reaper. Reaper, your thoughts on the features on the project. They're all whatever, honestly. I, I can't, I can't lie and make it sound flowery for something that I don't believe. So they're all whatever. Pass. <laughs> Uh, we thank you for that input, uh, Reaper, and I let's let uh, Kev anchor this one. Kev, your thoughts on the features of this project? I, what is it? Three all together? I mean, they don't feel wasted, uh, so I guess they were somewhat use, useful. Yeah, I, I mean, they weren't bad, but they weren't great. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's, that's just all I have. It's just nothing memorable um i don't even think does he even have a lead single from this album i don't even know i think that the uh the uh top sound is going to be the lead single i've heard it a few times yeah no features on that one right and that's not a feature so yeah so i mean you know it's it's good that he has those connections and he can use them when he needs to but i don't know i mean if you're not using it for a video or a lead single, you know, some some of that, I don't know, just feels unnecessary, but they weren't bad songs. All right. That's what's up. Appreciate that. And since we all had a consensus and we're short on that one, I will come back with the second question for this section of our stream or no stream. And I would say, you know, the overall production on the project to me has always been consistent for him. Was there anything that was a bright spot as far as where he's going in his production world? Because it was not all trap beats. Now, we don't have to give away secrets of what we're going to play next, but we can just say that, hey, there was some growth in his production. All right. Let's let uh, Kev start this one out. Kev, your thoughts on the production of NBA Youngboy's new project? Sorry, sorry, I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but. You're using this word growth very loosely <laughs> and and you're using the word consistency when you should be saying sameness. So I think you're asking a loaded question, but Kev, I'll let you have the floor. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. And I think that I think the third this is where the 30 songs hurt him. Because I think if he'd have made it, you know, 10, it wouldn't have felt, it wouldn't have felt like it was a lot of the sameness. And it was funny because when you read it on Apple Music, and it's it's just it's just funny how this, this description is. It says, um, at 30 songs, the album is true to Young Boy's reputation. And then it was like, it says, you know, weaving in between two of his vocal styles. And I'm like, wow, he has two vocal styles. What are they? Cause I can never tell the difference with him. Yeah. It's just, it just felt. Yeah. Brown about song eight. It, it the rest of it just sound like one long song, you know? I mean, I think, so I will say he probably does have two, but one of them is like aggressive, and one is almost like moany, sing-songy, whining almost. And it's just, like you said, even for 10 songs, that could get repetitive. But just across 30, it's, it's far too much. It's far too much. Yes, you definitely both are correct on that. So again, I actually was using the terms in sarcasm because... <laughs> I'm trying to be not the old dude and give this young man a chance and say, Hey, there's something there. There's some reason that people enjoy his music. And is he changing what he's doing and what he's the sameness of what he's done over the last, you know, mixtapes and uh, projects that he's done. I got to say, you know, th that this was a departure from the sameness of his former, you know, of, of, of his other projects and his other mixtapes. So for me, how, huh? How? I don't remember very many upbeat songs on his other projects. There's actually two danceable songs on his projects, which surprised me. 
there's so he deserves points for having two semi and you say danceable. I'm gonna say semi, semi danceable across thirty tracks. Again, if you add in the thirty tracks, it it's actually a negative. But if you take for what he's done in the past, I'm just talking about what he's done in the past. For me as a listener who could not understand why he was popular, why people were feeling him, I'm 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 out here on the limb trying to find something. And you taking that away from me. And I'm just saying there's two semi-danceable songs on the project. But you normally are not positive with music like this, though. Exactly. Keep the same energy. You're normally dogging it. Right. I know. And what I'm saying over the last two projects that we have reviewed for him, I haven't liked the projects in its totality. But what I have found is that there are songs that this guy is doing now that I could actually listen to. So for me, I'm just going to say this out of the 30 songs, there's four that I can listen to all the way through. That's more than the last project. The last project, I think it was three. But that's growth for you. That doesn't necessarily <laughs> necessarily mean that's growth for him. Right. No, it has to be growth for him because, again, I don't like his regular stuff. So the, the theme. But that's a you problem. That's not a him problem. No, it's not a problem. What I'm saying is that for the masses, there are four songs because I'm going to listen to it on the masses. What I can play at a party at what I can play at a reunion, what I can play at an event that I'm doing. So when I say there was three songs on the last project, literally it was three songs that I could possibly slide in. That that means that the content wasn't too uh, uh, demonstrative or wasn't too sexual and that the beat was semi to danceable and that his uh, vulgarity was at a lower level. If you understand what I'm saying. So again, I know you guys are saying it's about me, but I'm saying as I listen to projects, I listen to them based on the quality of what the artist is doing. And then if I don't find the quality of what they're doing, I then say, okay, can I play this for other people in a mixed crowd, meaning ages. And there was three songs on the last project, four songs on this one that I could kind of mix in to an event that I'm doing. So if that gives you some understanding of where my head is. The answer is absolutely freaking not. <laughs> you can't play any of these songs for a mixed crowd, mixed races, mixed ages at a reunion. No, absolutely not, man. This is for the youth at, at the club or, you know, a youth barbecue, a youth basketball pickup game or something, man. Like, nah, this is, and again, free people, your age, no offense, you know, art can listen to it, but this is not for y'all. Like it, when we get into the nuts of the bo and bolts of the album, it's, we've already acknowledged, okay, it's too many songs. Cool. But like I said, I think the bigger strike or negative thing against it is it's too many songs that sound alike. And I'll say shame on him, shame on the Migos. Yeah, they still catching straight shots for Culture 3. Like, if you're going to put out 30 songs, fine. If you're going to put out 15 songs, fine. But do you want 15 songs that sound the same, the exact same. Even if you were the hottest dude on earth, even if you were, I mean, even if you were, you know, in a band or in a, even if it was a jazz record, would you want 15 songs that sound exactly to virtually the same? I don't think so. Unless it was a concept record or something and it all, you was trying to go for a specific vibe or something. But, man, I just wish there was some variance in, in something, in speed, you know, BPM, in vibe. Like you said, I guess the delivery goes from aggressive to whiny. But again, like, I feel like this is one of those records where older people would be like, mumble rap, blah, 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 mumble rap, blah, blah, blah. And me as a, a younger person, as a DJ, as someone that's trying to not get the older generations to just, oh, y'all young people don't know nothing about nothing. 
this would be one of those records that I have a really hard time defending when people say blah, 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 mumble rap, blah, 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 mumble rap, because there's some stretches on this record where he's literally, I don't even know if you could call it crooning. It's its something beyond that. The auto-tune and the, it's, just, it's whining. He's just like standing in the booth whining for minutes on end over some of these songs. And it's just, it's hard to defend this record, man. It's hard, it's hard to defend it. Even though, like Kev said, if this was split up into two releases or three releases, maybe there would be some shiners, but it's, it's hard to find shiners across 30 songs that sound virtually the same. Totally agree with you. And with that, we're going to move on to the last song that we thought was notable from the project. And that is my go-to featuring Kalani. Here we go. You know you See why another man threatened by me Take your woman, put her on her just in overseas I ain't finished it, I got a big chick Cool by a big yacht, button on a big jig Leverage your body here right I get behind it, you pop It's gonna go down in the car You throw that bag in your car I roll a five and cigar I'm gonna get down in your heart Dress up the way that she like Yeah, man, and that was my go-to featuring Kalani And, man, I just, you know, it's that time again, people <laughs> Uh, overall thoughts and stream or no stream of our man NBA Young Boys project, The Last Limetto. I'm going to jump onto it first and I'm going to say for me, the, my overall thoughts is that there were more songs on this project that I could listen to from him than any other project he's ever done. I give him that much credit, but that means that there were 16 other songs on this, on this project that were terrible to me. So with that, you all know, no stream for me. Reaper? The issue is, so, and I, I believe you wanted to say 26 other songs that are, that are no. Uh, Thank you. No stream for you, um, which is an F if we're keeping, keeping it real. But um, the issue is, so my go-to tries to be an Afrobeat song. And I mean, I guess it is an Afrobeat song simply by production only, but Afrobeat songs, just like house music, you typically don't make a four on the floor house song that's slower than 115 BPM or so. You know, Disclosure and Sam Smith, that track might be 97. And it's, I would have to listen to it. I don't know if it's exactly four on the floor, but if it is, it's a slower one on purpose. And maybe that's why that song stood out because again, house topic is a different thing, but Afrobeats songs typically lie in the 100, 105, 110 plus range. There's not people usually making down tempo Afrobeat songs because it's not what the genre aims to do. And again, maybe he's trying to reinvent Afrobeats, maybe, but I think I'm giving him too much credit even on that. It's like he figured out how to make a slow down tempo Afrobeats song. And it's just like, yo. And Wagwan is another Afrobeats attempt. So there's two out of the 30. But my overall feelings on the record, there the the issue, and again, guys, feel feel free to comment on this part, but the issue with black youth in the United States when it comes to hip hop music is they always seem like they want something that's more street, more gutter. And from the pantheon of hip hop from the beginning until now, you know, at the beginning, Sugar Hill Gang, Curtis Blow, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was shiny. It was shiny for a while. But then you get into NWA with the reality raps. Okay, we wanted more street, more gutter. You get the West Coast, Ice-T, Dr. Dre, you know, Ice Cube is solo. And then Illmatic comes out, Ready to Die comes out. And then 
that's fine. But then Biggie, as we're going to see soon, we talk about life after death, gets a, a bit shinier, you know, more money for production, bigger budget videos. But then Grimy becomes Mob Deep, becomes Raekwon. And then we move on. Mob Deep, you know, ultimately gets a bit shinier, still gutter, but ultimately gets a bit shinier. Then there's Capone and Noriega. Then you talk about maybe Fat Joe and Big Pun. But again, Big Pun becomes still not a player. It's too shiny. Then you move on. We get to the South with Nelly and Ludacris. You know, it's it's sort of got some streetness to it. But again, Nelly was very radio friendly. So it's like ultimately always seeking harder, harder, streeter, streeter. Then we get to Young Jeezy with Thug Motivation 101. But and then Gucci is right after that. But then the second Jeezy album has Timberland on it. It gets shinier. Then who comes after that? We get Future. You know, we get, you know, I could go on so on and so forth. But it's just like somebody comes out and is, you know, uh, loved, you know, overwhelmingly loved because their record is more street than anything that's out. You're talking about being on the block. You're talking about keeping it real, being with the homies, blah, blah, blah. Oh, got to throw T.I. in there. But again, T.I., same thing. And um, people, the youth ultimately moves forward to something else like, nah, that first Jeezy record was tight, but the second one doesn't sound like the first one. Oh, even before that, Illmatic sounds good, but it was written almost sounds like the opposite of Illmatic from production wise, from what he's talking about and everything is crazy. And I think to bring it back to NBA Youngboy, I think that's why NBA Youngboy has as many fans as he does and can keep those fans because his refusal to go mainstream or to get shinier, to just keep it street. And he does wine and, and stuff a little bit, but to keep it street over everything is the point that I'm trying to make. And uh, I'm going to say no stream because I don't want to hear that personally. But like I said, and like we've said on this show a ton of times, NBA Youngboy has a legion of fans. And that is probably the sound they're looking for. Unfortunately, this is not the sound I'm looking for, especially across 30 tracks. So I'm going to pass and say no stream. Kev. Yeah, I think I'm going to make it unanimous. Uh, no stream for me also. The biggest reason is the length. I could take it. I probably could accept it more in the shorter, you know, in the shorter package. But, yeah, just 30 is just was way too much in it. And it just got dull and boring. Yeah, I, you know, I always make the point of uh, NBA Youngboy and his fan base. And, you know, Reaper makes an excellent point that he stays true to his fan base and his fan base rewards him because of he doesn't he doesn't approach the music business in a conventional way. You, you know, no lead singles, no promo. You don't see him on all the, you know, the, you know, Breakfast Club or Drink Champs or whatever other shows out there. You don't see him do no interviews or anything like that. 85 South, um, anything like that. So. You know, he's he's kind of like an underground artist who is consistently going number one, which is damn near hard to do. So, you know, sh you know, that's amazing. You know, shout out to him. I'll give him all the credit in the world for that. You know, you know, you put out uh, not great music, but your fans, you know, always support you and, and they do a great job at that. So but. It's a no stream for me, but I don't. I'll be curious to see what his album ends up at, though. That that's the that's the only really thing I'm really looking for is like, where is it going to chart at on the uh, Billboard? Yeah, I totally feel both of you guys on that. So I know you guys are gonna get mad at me when I do this, but I'm gonna do two reactions: one for the fans, and then one for our streamer no stream. The first one here is for the fans that you got a project from the guy you love is just not his best stuff. 
And then here is our reaction for this project, NBA Young Boys Project, The Last Slime Meadow. And here we go. All right. And with that, we're going to move on to our next. And that was our streamer, no stream of NBA Young Boys Project, The Last Slime Meadow. All right. So now we're moving on to talking hip hop. And we're talking about the 21st anniversary of Life After Death by our boy uh, Notorious B.I.G. We're going to let Reaper run us through this. So, Reaper, take it away. Everybody knows Biggie Smalls, the Notorious B.I.G. Life After Death, his second uh, album, came out in 1997. And this year celebrates the 25th anniversary of that album release. It came out in March of 97. And uh, this year for the 25th anniversary, they've re-released it. I believe the re-release was in June. And it's called a remaster, but it's not entirely a remaster because it was remastered once in 2005. Some of the songs were remastered again in 2014. So this is mostly a re-release. And it has some additional songs, you know, outtakes, that kind of thing. Uh, the album version of Going Back to Cali has an interlude at the beginning. So this release has the club mix that just starts without the interlude and everything. So basically right now we're, we're just going to discuss uh, Biggie Small's overall impact on hip hop, the overall impact of this album, and uh, 25 years later and, you know, as we move into 30, 50, where will this land, I guess you could say, in the in the pantheon of hip-hop history? So, Kev, what do you think? Because uh, I'm guessing, or I'm hoping, that you listen to the album again. So let's start with, you know, we just finished up NBA Youngboy with 30 songs. Life After Death is roughly 22, 23, 24 songs. Compare the length of that NBA Youngboy and the length of this and how this one plays versus that one. You know, that's that is an interesting question because I did, you know, I yes, yeah, I, I listened to it again, even though I was still kind of familiar with it. You know, the last time when we did the um the double album uh uh story a few months back, and um it was it it was a different feel. Um, just like we were saying with the young boy, when, you know, you get about seven, eight songs in, you know, everything else after felt similar, felt the same. But with this, it was, it felt like it was always something different. And it was funny because I was listening to, um, so I had listened to it. I had listened to like the first disc and right before I was going to listen to the second disc, I got caught up in something and then I ended up on YouTube and it was a Clark Kent interview. And he was just saying how, you know, the question was posed to him, how Clark Kent was good. You know, he was good with uh, encouraging people to do better. And, you know, it's always this, it was this famous story about um, how he told uh, a big that you're good, but, it's this other cat out here. He's better than you. And he was talking about Jay-Z. And then when, you know, when Big, you know, when Big first heard Jay-Z rap, he was like, oh, I see what you mean. And, you know, Clark Kent was like, that's why Life After Death was such a great album because, you know, Big was inspired by Jay-Z to elevate himself lyrically. And, you know, just listening to this album, it was just like, I don't, you know, I was just like, I think, you know, we don't talk about storytellers a lot, but, you know, if we were ever to really, you know, if anybody was ever to really sit down and say who lyrically, who, who told great stories, I don't think anybody's better than big. And that's what, you know, was going through my mind, you know, even a few months back, listening to his albums, like this man was an amazing storyteller, but, and you know, even listening to it now, you know, I listened to the original that I had on CD and I listened to the remastered. I mean, it is a different feel to it, but 
I mean, it's just it just flows well. It was produced well. They put the songs. I mean, I don't. It may be like one song I will move around, but I mean that's petty to me. But I mean, even the the track listing was properly done. I mean, everything was just just done right with this album. Even the interludes and the skits and all that. Everything it was it was good. But I don't think I really don't think it's given enough credit, though. To be honest. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that stuff, and I think. I think what holds it back is because it's two discs. If you look at disc to disc, disc one is clearly better than disc two. If you just put out disc one and none of the songs, even from disc two, like don't add anything, just the, the you know, from, from Life After Death intro to I Got a Story to Tell, I believe is the last song on the first disc. If you just do those and keep the interludes where they are and everything, it's a classic. It's not better than Ready to Die, but it's a classic. And I'm not saying that it isn't a classic in its current form, but there's some stinkers on this too, man. I definitely agree with you there, uh, Reaper. Uh, I, I re-listened to the project a couple of times this week, and you are correct. Uh, uh, on this one, there's two that I could possibly skip. They're a little weaker, but in general, this one I can listen to. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Somebody Gotta Die. I thought the beat was a little weak, but the story was great. It was an awesome story. And then, um, you know, I, I, what, what's beef is just, it's skippable to me. That's just, but again, I can listen to it. I don't have to skip it. Really? But the stinkers on on this, uh, this two. There's like four of those in there. That yeah, that that that's that that that, that disc was was not it was not hidden. What's beef? <laughs> it's interesting that you say that, man. I I I I, mean, I really like what's beef, but I I might say the the word sequence somebody's got to die. I might say that at least once a week. Just I say it all the time. So yeah, I really <laughs> And again, I'm not saying that they are skippable songs. I'm saying that the rest of that disc is so strong that these, I would say, are the weaker two of the rest of that disc. That's all I'm saying. Um. Okay, that, that's fine. Yeah, whereas this four is four that just are bad. They're not good songs. Are we going to acknowledge the R. Kelly song? <laughs> It did not. It doesn't hold up well over time, does it? It does not hold up well over time. You know what? I'll keep it a buck. Back in uh, so you know, back in '97, I was a youngster, but that song was on the radio, and I I didn't really care for it back then. And all the years since, you know, even before R. Kelly got into all of this madness recently, I I never really cared for it. I would sort of like let it play because it was. And again, it is. For the intro, and then somebody's got to die is heavy, and then hypnotizes the radio single. It is shinier. Kicking the door is rougher. It's ruggeder. And then to go into that R. Kelly one, it is variance. There is a lot of variance within just the first five songs. So I'll let it play because it. I think it breaks up the monotony, but I've I've never been a fan of it though. Go ahead. But you know what though. It, it it was a club hit. Oh, I believe you. I, I believe because, like I said, I used to hear it on the radio all the time as a youngster. But I was was never really a... yeah uncensored <laughs> in the club. Yeah. All right. Here yeah, especially the strip club. Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah, the older the older strippers would play that all the time. Yeah, but you know what? Even uh, so when we get down to the interlude, just like. You know, this sort of boom bap, you know, 808 beat machine back in the day sort of beat. And it's just like a 45 second freestyle or something like that. It's almost like a lead in to more money, more problems. But it's also like jarring because it doesn't sound like the rest of the songs, but it does sound like the rest of the songs. You know, and it's just why does it? Young boy or 
the Amigos or just anybody, somebody that's not putting out 30 songs, somebody that's putting out 15 songs. Why don't they do something like that? Put a um, Ludacris used to do that on his uh, all of his albums up until maybe the fourth one had a freestyle track on there and it was a beatbox or it was just something that sounded different, you know, just take it back to the block kind of thing. I mean, but who really freestyles today? I mean, I'm I'm not saying it has to be a freestyle, but it's just to break up the monotony. I remember I was listening to Drake. uh, If you're no, it's not if you're reading it's uh, more life because that's when he was doing the, the, the UK vibes and stuff on there. So he was doing like the, a little bit of a uh, drill and grime. And then he does a little bit of sort of Afro ish. And then he starts singing and it gets like into really like heavy singing and whining and middle of the night kind of drunk vibes. And they literally insert a skit that says, sorry about that y'all. We got a little bit off course there. It's, it's real late and you know, blah, 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 but let's get back on course. And then they play a rap song after that. It's like, you can have fun with the record, like make the record an experience, man. I know this is way off the beaten path, but um, I was watching the Woodstock 1999 documentary this week on uh, Netflix, and um, I'm a huge Limp Biscuit fan. I'll say that on air because I'm not uh, ashamed of saying it no more. I love Limp Biscuit, man. Back in the day, now, like, man, they made some great records, and I pulled up two of their records and. They even played into like how much some people hated them after Woodstock 1999 on the, the Chocolate Starfish record. And a guy called him and left a voice message and he's like, look, Fred Durst, when I see you, it's going to be my fist, your face. I'm going to punch you in the face for blah, blah, blah. And just, I can't believe that you would do stuff like that. And just even, um, I think it's on the first Biggie record. Somebody uh, calls him and it's just like, I can't remember what it is, but it's like they leave him a voicemail and saying something about how you're not going to call me back or, you know, like put some stuff like that on y'all records, man. And just 30 songs in a row with no breaks is 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 maddening. This got an intro. It's got an outro. It's got an interlude. It's got uh, speed changes, you know, like anyway. Um. The second is Miss You. I know it's a dedication to his boy and everything, but Miss You can miss me. And uh, Player Hater is bizarre. And Before we delve too deep into uh, this oh, two, yeah, go let's ahead. play a one tribute song. All right, so here we go with one of our tribute songs. And it is the Ten Crack Commandments. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one. It's the Ten Crack Commandments. Why? Uh, uh. Man, can't tell me nothing about this coke. Uh-huh. Can't tell me nothing about this crack, this weed, my hustling niggas. Uh. Niggas on the corner. I ain't forget you, niggas. My triple B, niggas. I've been in this game for years. It made me an animal. It's rules to the shit. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get your game on track. Not your wig pushed back. Rule number uno. Never let no one know how much dough you hold. Cause you know the cheddar breed jealousy, especially if that man fucked up. Get your ass stuck up. Number two. Never let them know your next move. Don't you know bad boys move in silence and violence? Take it from your highness. Uh-huh. I done squeeze mad clips at these cats for their bricks and chips. Number three, never trust nobody. Your mom set that ass up properly gassed up. Hoodie the masked up. <laughs> yeah, man. Ten crack commandments right there. Now we're going to let Reaver take us into uh, this too. Go ahead, Reaver. I've been in this game for years. It made me an animal. <laughs> Man, what a hard bar. Anyway, um, no, I want to... So there's some bizarre songs on this too. Like I said, Miss You is for his boy, a fallen loved one. Okay, fine. It's a tribute track. It doesn't have to be super hard. I wish it had a different beat. 
followed by another with Little Kim. That song is bizarre. It it does not match the record at all. The vibe, the and again, maybe you wanted to do an upbeat record. Like I would have to ask y'all about that. Like were people trying to do upbeat songs in the late nineties as experiments? Cause you know, there was a point where people were doing reggae songs or, or, you know, or LL Cool J did the song for the ladies, you know? So there's been different waves of, even on the first uh, NWA record on Straight Outta Compton, there's a song that I don't want to call it disco, but it borderlines like, you know, disco almost toward the end of the record. That's really fast like that. So maybe this was just another phase, but another is a bizarre song and player hater it's almost it sounds like a comedy song to me, the way he's like stretching the words, player, player, hater, hater. It sounds like comedy to me, but uh, yeah, y'all can, y'all can take it. Um, Let me say this. It's, it's Puffy's fault. Puffy has these moments where he, he falls in love with certain samples and he, he, he wants it on this albums. It's you can listen to interviews from different bad boy artists or producers that say, you know, Puffy's great at this, but sometimes Puffy would have these misses that don't make sense. And another and um like Nasty Boy, two songs that don't make sense, but both of those are Puffy touches. So Blame Puffy. It was just, I don't know what was going on at that moment. But the, but for me, those are the only two songs I don't like on the disc, really. I mean, I, I'll let them play, but, you know, I could skip them. But I think, you know, for me, I think the whole, you know, disc one and disc two just flows together for me. I, I don't, I don't touch it. I started at one and then I'm, I, you know, I let it play to the end. Don't touch nothing. I mean, I will because I've just heard it so many times. But honestly, if I'm keeping it a buck, Notorious Thugs, Going Back to Cali, Ten Crack Commandments, and You're Nobody Till Somebody Kills You. You could delete the rest of that stuff, though. Play Hater is funny to me. The world is filled. I, I, I like it, man. And maybe it, it might be because Too Short is on there. Um too short is is an interesting feature to have on people's albums because like a few weeks ago i had this i don't know for some reason too short and jay-z features kept popping up and i was just like i think too short brings the best out of jay-z and it was like two or three songs they did together but um too short makes this song good my downfall i like that song man yeah, you know what? That did sound, because, uh, man, I haven't heard that, because that's like second or third to last. That did uh, stand out as something that sounded fresh to me, because I hadn't heard all the way through in, in such a while. I was like, wow, this one does sound, because, again, I've heard Hypnotize six million times. I've heard right. you know, a lot of these other songs, especially at the front half, uh, so many times. So, yeah, I did enjoy that. But, again... My Downfall, Long Kiss Goodnight, You're Nobody Till Somebody Kills You. These are good songs, but they just suffer because they're at the end of 23 tracks or so. And uh, Yeah. 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 So the here, we're going to play another song and then uh, talk about something else. Play, play that other track, uh, Be Wise. All right. And here we go with another tribute song from our man, Notorious B.I.G. from the 25th anniversary album, Life After Death, and it's going back to Cali. So hard that your hat can't fit ya. Either I'm with ya or against ya. Format bench ya. Back through that maze I sent ya. Talking to the rap inventor. Nigga with the game type fit that flame right. Spell my name right. B.I. Double G.I.E. Ice out. Lights out. Me and C. The Leo. Getting mad for some chick. He know. See it's all about the cheddar. Nobody do it better. 
going back to Cali strictly for the weather, women, and the weed. Sticky green, no seeds, bitch, please. Papa ain't strong, dead up in the hood. Ain't no love, y'all. Got me mixed up, you drunk the licks up. Mad cause I got my dicks up. And my boys left all fit, the game is mine. I'ma spell my name one more time, check it. It's the N-O-T-O-R-I-O-U-S. You just lay down slow. Recognize the real dawn when you see one. Sipping on booze in the house of blue. Man, that's what I'm talking about. Going back to Cali from the 25th anniversary album of Life After Death by our man Biggie. Biggie, Biggie. I uh, I just want to jump in and give my little two cents on that second disc as well. Uh, again, player hater, just a, a, again, a comedy skit. I would say the world is filled. You know, if they would have excluded Puffy's uh, or Diddy, whatever you want to call him, his verse, definitely it would have been a worthwhile track, but that made it a throwaway track for me. I actually thought that uh, Too Short, killed that track being that uh biggie used some of the lines from other songs on that uh on that track and then uh, lastly uh i, I when you hear um you hear kev says this, say this a lot it was a wasted feature it was a wasted feature my downfall has a wasted dmc feature to not have dmc the legend drop some bless the track with a verse that's just, it, it hurts my heart. And with that, I'll pass it back to Reaper. Reaper, take us in. So just the overall question is, because um, we know Ready to Die is arguably the greatest hip-hop record of all time, arguably. Where does Life After Death fall in the pantheon, and what is its lasting legacy 25 years later? Because, again, 20, maybe 20, maybe 15 You've got some people that were, you know, alive when it came out. Maybe they were too young to hear it, what have you. You talk 25 years later, this is birth to, you know, adulthood. There are plenty of youths that were not even alive when this record came out. So 25 years later, let's do what is the lasting impact and... If you were going to pitch this to a young person that's never listened to this record, what would you say about it? Gosh, that's good. That's great. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Un unfairly, I think that it was it will always be compared or held up to All Eyes on Me because they what they're like a year apart, I believe. Yeah. And it was like, you know, what happened for both artists as these albums were coming out. So it, it it's always, I think, I think, you know, I think people back then, you know, kind of compared those two, which was unfair because they were two totally different albums. I mean, even, I mean, you know, because of this show, I've listened to it more as a whole, as a, instead of, you know, pulling certain songs out. Like I totally disagree with B wise. The, the I like the DMC on the hook. I think it I, it just it was just a perfect blend. Um, but overall, I play it front to back even to today. And for me, it's something I can do and I can still enjoy. But I do think overall, um, a younger audience won't won't listen to the whole thing because it's it's hard sometimes to determine. Um, the ear of, you know, certain younger fans, you know, some of the upbeat stuff would catch people's ear, but at the same time, they might be fans of Cardi or Megan or even some of Drake stuff. But then if you do have fans that lean towards like Gunner and a uh, young boy or thug, they might like some of that stuff on this too. Like, like downfall or uh long kiss goodnight, you're nobody till somebody kills you, or even maybe you know, 10 crack commandments, you know, it's hard. But I think that I do think that there are songs that would that can transition in with today's fan, but I don't know if the whole album, I mean, even even both discs, even one disc, 
could like really, you know, capture, you know, a younger fan today. I'm not sure, but I think there are songs that they will listen to. They will be fans of that. They may even do their little what they like to do, the little videos, the TikToks, and whatever they like to do. I could see that happening, but I don't know. I don't know about the whole thing though. Yeah, great job uh, pitching the album <laughs> towards them. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, but I mean, but it's but it's like you know, like you were saying, you know, there are different different rhythms and different flows, and it you know how you were saying like um, how you know it starts off with uh, a down song where somebody's got to die, but then it comes in with hypnotize and then kicking the door. I mean, you know, then it kind of slows back down to get it, it comes back up. And it's like, this is not, you know, this is something that they're not really used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you, would say you uh, be wise? If you want to hear 12 of the best placed, I'm sorry, 16 of the best placed songs from 97 to current times, this is the album for you. The project has been put together in such a way that it gives you street, club, radio, picnic, riding in your car. It gives you a little bit of everything. It is the project that would have catapulted Biggie, Notorious B.I.G. into the stratosphere, which he's already in. But he would have crushed there, Jay-Z wouldn't be in the conversation. Lil Wayne wouldn't be in the conversation if he would have survived in this song. If he would have toured off of this song, stayed healthy, and been able to follow up this project, he'd have been the greatest. The greatest of all time, no doubt in my mind. Uh, the only reason he makes two in my book is body of work. That's it. That's the only thing that keeps him away from the number one spot in my book is body of work. So with that, you got to listen to it. It is you can't say you love hip hop if you don't listen to this project. That's my pitch. Yes, I accept your pitch. Thank you. Decent pitch. I'll just if I was going to pitch it, I would just flat out say uh, if I wasn't going to use the argument of Oh, Biggie Smalls is arguably the greatest of all time, blah, blah, blah. Because, again, what is that? If you were born, you know, post-2000 or post-1997, like after Big already passed, what does that really mean to you? Because even though I was a youngster, I was around while Big was alive. So the idea is you've got somebody that was born in, you know, any period after 1997, so if you were born in 1997 proper, if you were born in 2000, if you were born, you know, not quite 2010 or post, because if somebody was born in 2010 to now, that means they would be like 12 or 13 or 11, somewhere in there. I gave my brother a copy of Illmatic from Nas when he, I, I believe it was his 18th birthday. And I always say that's around the time you need to listen to Illmatic when you're 17, 18, 19. Maybe 16 is a little bit too young to really appreciate it. But like to understand, like Nas recorded this when he was your age. You know, he was in the street. He was trying to prove he could, you know, grab the the mics and the parks and, you know, that kind of thing. And so if we're talking about somebody like that now, somebody that was born late 2000s, 2006, 7, 8, who is roughly in that 17, 16, 17, 18, 19 range. They were born, you know, roughly 10 years after Big already passed. What do they say to the idea of Big being the greatest of all time or one of the greatest of all time or Ready to Die being one of the greatest records of all time or Life After Death being one of the greatest records of all time? So if I don't use that argument whatsoever, I would say the pitch is listen to it from a storytelling standpoint. Just like uh, which one of y'all said it be wise or Kevin can't remember, but it opens with the intro, the darkness of somebody's got to die, the shininess, the radio single of hypnotize, followed by a kick in the door. There's a lot of versatility right at the beginning. 
I believe the R. Kelly track is is right after Kicking the Door. So you got an R&B track, a uh, uh, a club track in Hypnotize, a radio track that'll just live forever. You've got a gutter sort of kicking the door, waving the four four. You got Primo on the beat. You've got a uh, you know somebody's got to die with the the darkness and the theme of the album, Life After Death, all within the first five songs. That describes the whole album right there. And there's some complex lyricism on the record, but I think the thing that you stay for is the storytelling aspect one and maybe the song quality two. And that lets the album speak for itself. Even if Biggie wasn't considered greatest of all time, even if this wasn't double disc, even if this you know, that's what is compelling or what you should pitch to get anybody to listen to it, regardless of age. Great pitch. Great pitch. Yeah, I I, I think both of you guys are right. I, I don't know. I, I think for me, it's just, you know, we did the Joy Badass and um, album and we did Corday, you know, some time ago and you know, those are two younger artists who, who, who don't go the mainstream route. You know, they're names in the industry, so there is an audience for it. But I guess my my outlook is, is there a fan base that would that would embrace the the mainstream songs like Hypnotize and the dark stuff like Somebody's Got to Die and the or, you know, the lyrical storytelling stuff all in one album? Or do they just look for, you know, their artists to give them all one thing for the whole album, you know? Yeah. I uh, Honestly, though, if there was going to be a pitch, I would pitch Ready to Die over Life After Death, like, without even thinking. But since we're talking about 25 years, the 25th anniversary and everything, that's the pitch for this record. So um, I don't believe we're going to play any other songs. So I'll wrap it up there. But I do want to tell everybody out there in Radio Land that this is a part of a, a larger uh, project. So 1997, all of the records from 1997 are turning 20, 25. And there's some uh, important records in 1997. There's some records that are undervalued, not acknowledged as much as they should be so what we're going to do next week or in the coming weeks we're going to do a a retrospective a 25 years later talking about the singles the the club records what was going on in 1997 to you know give some backstory and just talk about the hip-hop releases of 1997 where do they fit in the pantheon of hip-hop greatness um, what was great at the time but hasn't held up what needs to be acknowledged more what you know was a undervalued thing then but has shined through all these years later yeah we're going to touch on 1997 turning 25 from a lot of different aspects life after death was just uh, a lead-in to that if you will and uh with that being said this has been another episode of the mix air rap podcast as always be wise, Kev, Boss Man Reaper. You can find me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Mixcloud for DJ Mixes, or WeChat. You can send me a message directly if you'd like to at the 313 Kid. That's T H E 313 K I D. Man, I got booked to play a wedding last night, like in the middle of the night, randomly. Somebody hit me up that I haven't talked to in probably, man, at this point, probably five or six years hit me up as a middleman through somebody else. And they're like, all of this conversation is in Chinese, but they're like, oh, is that one dude? And I was described on the text message verbatim as that slim, short, <laughs> black dude. <laughs> like, Classic. Um, it was like, is that slim? <laughs> is that slim, short, black dude that used to play at so-and-so club? Is he still around uh, the city? And the the guy uh, who hit me up, the middleman, is just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me hit him up. And then the other guy's like, oh, he used to play at that other club too. Like, yeah, the sets he used to play there. Yeah, yeah. Is he still around? 
So dude hits me up and he's just like, yo, you still in the city? I'm like, yeah, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. Some guy that I've never met is getting married in like three or four weeks time. And for some reason they haven't had the music sorted yet. And they're going to do an after party for their wedding. Not a reception, but like a proper after party. It doesn't start until like nighttime. And it's on a Sunday, which is bizarre too. But uh, Chinese people don't really do receptions the same way they do elsewhere, where there's like a wedding in a, in a church or whatever. And then there's like a reception with dinner and food. And then maybe they go out later or something like that or do like a home party or something. They don't really do that. They do it all in one. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. But the after party is like a proper after party. It's like five hours. It's the longest set I've done in, in a little while. And uh, they want me to play everything from throwback Usher to the latest Drake. So we'll see. But I'm getting broke off for this this random deal. And uh happy about that. But um had to throw that tidbit into my outro before we get out of here. Kev, uh, tell them the, feel free to comment, but tell them the uh, <laughs> social media plugs for the Mixer Rap Podcast. <laughs> That was a great story to end the show. Um, you can catch us on <laughs> Instagram at Mix Air Rap Pod. That's Mix Air Rap P O D. And you can follow us on Twitter at Mix Air Rap. Be wise. It's all you. All right. Well, that's what's up, man. I really appreciate you giving us that little story. It was super fun. And uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening. Tell a friend to tell a friend. We out of here. Peace.